I'm fired up, excited, overwhelmed, thrilled. Anticipation has filled my heart, and I'm glad every one of you are with us today. Hey, we're one church, four locations. We've got White Rock. We've got Bishop Arts, Oak Cliff, Antigua, Guatemala, along with North Dallas as well. Let's everybody clap for everybody at all of our locations, everyone watching online. We love you a ton. I keep hearing about your family members that are tuning in from literally all over. Uh, so we're glad to have all of you with us. Now, again, here at White Rock, we've got some great things happening. We have people coming in, and we are busting at the seams. So everyone in the lobby, we say hello to you as well. We just opened up another lobby spot as well for more folks to have a seat. And since so many people keep on coming, we thought we're going to do something quick, like it's quick. It's right away. I mean, I'm just doing it. I haven't even gotten the contract. We're just going to do it. Uh, we're going to show up on September 22nd at the Angelica Movie Theater. We're going to open up another space at 1015 for people to be able to go and worship with us. So Angelica is actually where the church started. After we were in our home and then in a little nursing home for a little while, yes, the church started in a nursing home. It was awesome. And then from there, we went to the Angelica. That's where we actually launched seven years ago and kind of really started as a church. And at that particular time, man, we had so many college students and everyone began to come. So we decided we're going to go back there to provide another space for everyone. So when you're on your way to White Rock, you might go, you know what? I want to see a movie right after church. So let me just go ahead and show up at the Angelica, worship Jesus, then watch Hobbs and Shaw. So you can do both of those things. It is another viable option. We're going to have our worship team will be there, children's ministry, all of our hosts, ushers. I mean, it's going to feel just like Shoreline City. So I want to encourage you, uh, if you're thinking, man, these crowds, sometimes I'm, I'm a little bit nervous or my friend's not going to come. It's going to be obviously a little bit of a smaller environment. That theater there will hold about 300 people. So you can show up with us and we cannot wait to have you with us over there, Angelica. Again, September 22nd is when that's starting and we're saying that by faith because they haven't sent us a contract yet. But Angelica, I need that contract, okay? Because we're showing up. We're going to be there. <laughs> We, uh, we are really excited about all that God has on the horizon. And if you're with us for the first time, I want you to know we love you. We really, really do. Uh, we care for you. We're actually on your side. We've been praying that God would do some great things in your heart and in your life. And we don't believe it's an accident that you're with us today. So we're going to trust that God's going to really meet you exactly where you are. Uh, but uh, we're starting a brand new series that I'm really, really excited about. Before I jump into the series, I, I do want to let you all know that my mom uh, and I and my little sister, we one time, this is, I'm like eight years old, we had a stray dog that showed up at our front porch, okay? And this stray dog ended up showing up, I think because I was feeding it on the way to school. So I was trying to tell my mom, I don't know how this dog showed up here, but it's probably because I kept giving in, I don't know, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches every day. And one time I come home, the dog's on our front porch. I'm like, mom, you got to let us keep this dog. You have to let us keep this dog. Come on, mom. Come on, mom. I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. I'm eight years old. I don't know how to take care of myself, but I'm trying to convince my mother. I've got this, mom. I've got this. Come on. It's such a sweet dog. It's such a sweet dog. So my mom's like, okay, me and my little sister break her down enough as kids can with their parents. If they ask enough, we will give in to almost anything. We break down. She breaks down. Dog comes in the house. It probably was three minutes. That dog peed on the floor in no time. 
But we, I'm like, mom, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, mom, don't worry, don't worry. We'll take care of it. We gave the dog a bath. We gave the dog food. We gave the dog a name, named him Samson. Maybe that was the wrong name because he came in and started tearing everything up and beating everything up. So Samson is all over, and I'm telling you, he is terrorizing this home. Now, I was raised in the inner city, okay? I was raised in the ghetto, but my mom is what Chris Rock would call a ghetto snob, okay? And what that is, that is someone who's in the ghetto, but the ghetto ain't in them, okay? She walks with her head up high. Our clothes were on point. When we went to church on Sundays, we were looking fly every single week. You never would have known we lived in the hood. My mom kept that house clean. We didn't have any nastiness going on in there. Everything was tip top and in shape. My mom, matter of fact, is the one that taught me when I was growing up, Earl, don't let anyone else build your world for you. If they do, they'll always build it too small. She was the one that reminded me, you keep your head up high. She's the one that told me, keep your shoulders back. She's the one that told me, look people in the eye when they're talking to you. Don't put your head down. You stand up tall. My mom was that type of leader and still is that type of leader. And now we got Samson destroying the little that we had, and she was not having it. See, Samson, Samson was astray. He was used to being astray. He wasn't used to having a home. He, he was used to fending for himself. He was not used to someone providing for him. He was used to people ignoring him. He was not used to people caring for him and loving him and, and being tuned into him. He was used to finding his own place to sleep. And now we gave him a bed to sleep and see he had a home, but he could not get that stray out of him. And I feel like this is a picture of our lives. Come in to the family of God. God's called us and made us new. But we still got that stray dog on the inside of us. Still got that piece of us that doesn't want to trust people. That piece of us that says I'm not good enough. That piece of us that says I don't measure up. That piece of us that says everyone else has it all together and I don't have it all together. Can I just make an announcement to you? Not one person at Shoreline City has it all together. Not one of us. Not one of us is perfect. Not one of us has every T cross and every I dotted. Every single one of us have some area of our life where we are trusting for the grace of God to take us from where we are to where he is calling us to be. And for this entire fall, I am telling you, we are going to go on a journey where I'm going to see freedom. We are going to see freedom. We're going to see new life. We're going to see new hope happen in this church like we never thought possible. But turn with me to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. Because this stray dog piece, the Apostle Paul, who's the writer of this book of Romans, talks about this. He talks about this battle going on on the inside of him. I was reading through this earlier 
uh, this week, and I, I was once again encouraged and reminded how amazing the book of Romans is. Perhaps we're going to walk through it uh, more next year because it's so, so filled with life. I, I decided since I was going to be sharing from chapter 7, I wanted to get the context of it, okay? So I went back to chapter 5 and read chapter 6, then read chapter 7, then went into chapter 8 as well, and I'm telling you, it is so filled with life and wisdom for every single one of us. I'm telling you, you are reminded in these scriptures that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Like before you and I could get everything right, God said, I'm going to take a step towards you. He did not wait for you and I to take a step towards him. He took a step towards us. The Bible tells us we have been justified. What does that word mean? It's just as if I'd never sinned. That's what justified means. That's what Jesus Christ did for me and for you on the cross. We get encouragement. We get life. We understand that we have been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. We understand that we have victory through Jesus Christ. I mean, it is so filled with truth. And then the Apostle Paul gives us a look into his soul. I'm so glad he does because this is where a lot of us live. Look with me in Romans chapter 7, verse number 18. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my, in my sinful nature. Some of your Bibles maybe say the flesh. For I, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not, for I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I what if, now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil, evil, selfishness, fear, anxiety, doubt, perversion. It's right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? I'd like to say I have no idea what he's talking about. I'd like to say that's a struggle he's experienced, and I don't know anything about that. But if you've been a follower of Jesus for any point in time, and you're actually interested in living your life surrendered to Jesus Christ, and you're actually interested in him being, uh, you being a reflection of his love and his goodness and his mercy and his truth to the world around you, there are times you look at yourself in the mirror and you say, God, I don't know why you picked me. I don't know why you asked me to do this. I don't measure up. I can't handle this. This is too much for me. I keep having these other desires. I keep having these other urges. Stop looking at me like that. 
I, I, need, I need you to be real with me for a second here, okay? And I know maybe your, your husband or your wife or your parents are next to you like, no, I don't know anything that they're talking about right now. Actually, I'm always perfect. But I'm telling you, I know that whenever you and I become passionate followers of Jesus Christ, we have this other thing at work on the inside of us. And it's like evil sitting right there saying, hey, you're not good enough. You don't measure up. If God really changed you, then why are you still lusting? If God really changed you, then why do you still have those urges? I thought you gave your heart to Christ. Then why does alcohol still give you a little bit of nudge? Why does money still move you the way it used to move you? You must not be changed. You and I have this war. Waging, waging, fighting, fighting. This battle. I just want to let you know, you're not messed up. Well, no, you are. <laughs> and I am. <laughs> but we're all messed up together. <laughs> I just want to let you know that you're not the only one that is wrestling and saying, God, if you changed me, then why do I still feel the desire and the urge to go do some things that I know you don't want me doing anymore? And willpower only gets you so far. Just trying to be perfect will only get you so far. You know, some of the places that I see um, uh, people that act the craziest are Christian schools. <laughs> you know, a Christian school, you just got to be careful. You got to be careful because they got chapel, and Bible verses. And they got to feel like, I got to stuff this stuff. I got to stuff this. I got to stuff this. And then all of a sudden, they got stuff going on on the weekends. You're like, what in the world happened to you? It's because sometimes, some, not every Christian school, but some, they're just telling you, bury that, bury that, bury that, bury that, ignore that, ignore that, ignore that. And I'm telling you, that darkness that's on the inside of you and I, it can't be buried for too long. That thing finds a way to... Bring its ugly head out. It usually happens when you're just about to get married. You're able to stuff it down long enough, but then you get married, you bring all that with you and the pressure of a new relationship and the pressure of a new season or let yourself, let yourself have a new baby. Then all of a sudden, or let yourself get a new job or move to a new city or try to start a company or you got to graduate from school. You, some type of pressure comes on you and all of a sudden this thing that you've been trying in your own strength and power to keep down low finds its way, popping its ugly head up and trying to destroy your very life. I'm trying to talk to real people that have been through real things find this other law at work in me this tension this battle the beautiful thing in you can read it uh, later chapter seven leads into chapter number eight in chapter eight verse number one says there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus now, if you're not in Christ Jesus, yeah, there's some guilt, there's some condemnation there. But for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, for those of us who have surrendered our hearts and our lives to him, for those of us that have said, God, not my way, your way. For those of us that have said, God, I don't want my will, I want your will. There is therefore now no condemnation. So anytime you're feeling condemnation, no, that does not come from God. 
There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And when I read that, I thought, well, there's no condemnation, but there's still a fight. Still a fight. You got to be willing. If you want to be a follower of Jesus, become all that he's called you to be. You got to be willing to fight. It's like someone who is really, really gifted in business, and they think uh, just because they have a gift, they don't have to work. Or they're a gifted athlete, they don't have to practice. Or they're a gifted, they're a gifted singer, so they don't have to work on their, their craft. It's not the case. You can be gifted, but you st- there's still a cost. There's no condemnation, but I'm telling you, you got to be willing to fight. There's no condemnation. We've got to say, God, I want your way, not my way. There is a fight that happens for every single one of us. That's why the Apostle Paul says, I die daily. I got to do it every day. I, I know I did it when I went to youth camp, but today, today I'm saying, God, you can have my heart. I know I gave my life to Jesus a year ago, but you know, just Jesus, I want to remind you today. It's not that you lose your salvation. You're trying to remind yourself about who you belong to. You have to remind yourself when you wake up. This is why I worship. This is why I pray. This is why when I'm driving in the car, I'm not just listening to Siri uh, XM. I'm trying to listen to Elevation Worship or somebody else and say, God, remind my soul who you called me to be because there's so many other things trying to remind me of what I'm not. I'm trying to remind myself who I am. This upcoming Thursday night, we got the Orchid Rally. Used to be called Sister. Now we got Orchid Rally. All the ladies of our church coming together here at our White Rock campus. I can't wait. 7 o'clock, 8.15. We're going to be together. It's going to be wonderful. And we're going to remind the women of our church and of our city that God is for you, that he loves you, that he's on your side, that he has not forgotten you. And if other people are ignoring you, the God of heaven still knows your name. We're going to remind the ladies that they've been called to lead and called to step into the plans and the purposes that God has for them. We're going to remind them of that. But it's one thing for us to say it. It's a whole other thing for you to believe it. And I find myself many times, God of heaven saying, you're my son. And I keep thinking, no. Just make me a servant. He said, no, 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 I've forgiven you, I've forgiven you. And I'm going, no, that's got to be too good to be true. Like, you can't have actually forgiven me. You must be metaphorically speaking. The God of heaven is saying, hey, I, I love you. But the problem is many of us don't believe what God says about us. Parents, you know, when you have kids and you're, you tell them they can do something. You're looking them in the eyes. You're like, you got this. Whether it's jumping off the side of a pool into the water or they're about to have a presentation or you're telling your friend that's about to present at the company for the very first time. You're telling them, you got this, you got this, you got this. And you see them a certain way, but they don't see themselves that way. And I just know as many of us that we're showing up week after week on Sundays, and I'm so glad you're here so you can be reminded of what the truth of God's word and what he says about you. But at some point in time, you and I are going to have to be okay and begin to believe that this is what God says. That I'm not my past. 
I'm not my divorces. I'm not my one night stands. I'm not my bankruptcy. I'm not my 2.345 GPA average. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not what my bank account says. I'm, what, I'm who he says I am. So I want to go now. I want to go now to, to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. And I want to look at a passage of scripture that I think mirrors, mirrors our lot, our spiritual journey. Okay? John chapter 11. And I've got, I've got a live prop. It's a person. You're thinking, is that going to be like an animal? It's not, it's not an animal. It's not an animal. It's a live person. John chapter 11. As you turn to John chapter 11, I got my, I got my friend coming out here. Come on out here. Come on out here. Good job. Well done, everybody. Well done. So I got Tyler here. Tyler, stop smiling. Okay. <laughs> Tyler is Lazarus. Okay. He's supposed to be dead. Die. So you're doing a good job, Tyler. You're doing a good job. So I've got, I've got Lazarus here. And we're going to look at John chapter 11. If you're unfamiliar with this passage of scripture, you can read it again uh, later this week. Jesus has a friend. His name is Lazarus. Lazarus has a couple of sisters, Mary and Martha. And Lazarus has died. He has been put in the tomb. He's been four days dead. Mary and Martha, Lazarus' sisters, called for Christ. Christ didn't seem to come in time. So now he shows up. At an impossible situation. Things are over. It cannot change. It's final. This is what some of your family members think about you. It's over. It's final. Nothing can change. You'll be just like your father. You'll be just like your mother. No one in your family has ever done X, Y, and Z, and neither will you do X, Y, or Z. You'll be single forever. No relationships work out for us. Men just treat us wrong. That's how they just do it in our family. We've always been like that. It'll be like that for you. And you're stuck in a tomb with a stone laid in front of it. And then I'm announcing you today, when Jesus shows up at the tomb, everything can change. Everything can be different. Everything can be adjusted. Everything, the trajectory of your family can go from wrong to right when Jesus shows up at the tomb. And this is what happens in this moment. The Son of God shows up at the tomb and he makes some announcements and some decrees that I think are essential for you and I to understand what it means to be a follower of Christ. Beginning in verse number 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Verse 40, then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God. Skip with me down to verse number 43. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. 
Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let them go. He comes to the tomb. There's a huge stone laid in front of it. And that stone has to be moved. There's like a, a barrier, a hurdle, an obstacle between Jesus and someone that he loves. And Jesus has always been in the business of removing obstacles that are between him and the people that he loves. That's what he's always been in the business of doing. And the biggest obstacle that was there between Jesus and you and I was sin. So what Jesus did is he got on an old rugged cross and he took your sin and your shame and my sin and my shame and he put it all upon himself. And he did not just die for us, he died as us. And he said, hey, I'm going to take all of that upon myself and then I'm going to defeat death, hell on the grave on your behalf. So that way you can live in new life. You can be free. Take away the stone. But then after he takes away the stone, Jesus then says, Lazarus. He calls him by his name. I like this. I like the intimacy of this. You know when you meet someone uh, for the first time, and then a couple weeks later, you see them again, and they're like, hey, Michelle, and they say your name. But you know when they don't know your name? Hey, girl. Girl, how you doing? <laughs> What's up, man? You know, you don't know my name, do you? You don't, you don't remember my name. <laughs> we, we all have done that. But when someone of influence meets you and then remembers your name, there's just something intimate about that. I need you to know that the one that created the heavens and the earth, he's the one that fashioned you in your mother's womb, and he actually knows you by name. You are not insignificant to the God of heaven, and you might feel insignificant in a world where everybody else is getting reposted or retweeted or their, their pictures are being liked, but I'm telling you, when it comes to the God of heaven, he knows all of his kids by name, every single one of them. It's like me with my kids. I know them all. It's not like I've forgotten one of them. I got three. I got Parker. I got Grayson. I got, dang, who's that? Who's, no, no. I got L. And I know there are some of you that feel like God maybe forgot your name. He did not forget your name because you're going through a trial. He didn't forget your name because you're going through a difficulty. He didn't forget your name because you're battling something right now. As a matter of fact, he is right there in front of you. And he says, Lazarus. When he says his name, the dead man wakes up. Do it, Tyler. There you go. <laughs> he wakes up. He's now alive, but he's still in the tomb. He's alive, but he's still in the tomb. He's alive, but he's still in the tomb. It is possible to be alive and to still be in the tomb. I've met a lot of Christians like this. I met a lot of Christians that are, they have given their hearts to Jesus, but they're still stuck in a tomb. 
They haven't yet moved out of that place of death that they were in. They're alive, but they're still in the tomb. Uh, Alive, but not walking in their purpose. Alive, but not walking in their destiny. Alive, but not willing to allow God to take them out of that place of bondage and bring them into a place of freedom. Alive, but want to be separated from everybody else. Alive, but want to be disconnected from everybody else. Alive, but don't want to be in relationship with anyone. And I'm telling you, it's possible for you to still be on your way to heaven and to still be in a tomb. So we think in this passage of scripture, it wasn't enough for Jesus just to say his name. He then said, come out. He said, come out. Yes, you came to new life in a tomb, but you're not going to stay there. You got, you got to come out. So listen, the man is tied up. Tyler, come out. Keep on coming. Keep him on the, keep him on the screen. Keep on coming. Listen, this is how some of us look spiritually. <laughs> this is how some of us look in our lives, okay? But I just want to say I'm proud of you that you're at least... This Sunday morning, you were like. Yeah, I, I, I'm barely making it, okay? I'm barely, I'm tied up, but at least I'm showing up, okay? I'm tied up, but at least I'm here. I'm tied up. It would have been easier for me to stay in the tomb, but since you called me, Jesus, I'm going to be willing to, I'll just hop, I'll hop, I'll hop. Listen, listen, in uh, World War II, I read this, in World War II, uh, uh, some people were hiding out from the Nazis, and they went, they were hiding in cemeteries. Since they were hiding in cemeteries uh, for so long, some of them gave birth to babies in cemeteries. Alive, but still in a tomb. But there came a time, it's like, baby, this is not where you stay. Baby, this is not where you live. Baby, this is not your home. You got to come out. Sometimes you come out just hopping. <laughs> I just want to say I'm proud of you. Because some of us have thought about ending it. Some of us have thought it's not worth it. It's too hard. I don't need to do this anymore. I'm done with this marriage. I'm done with my life. I'm done with this business. I'm done with my family. And I'm just telling you, I'm proud of you. The God of heaven is proud of you because you lost your loved one and you thought that was going to be the end of your life. But still, you're just like, God, since you called me, yeah, I'll serve. Since you called me, yes, I'll keep on going. Alive, but still tied. This, my friends, don't don't be guilty. Don't feel guilt. Okay? It's a terrible motivator. Shame. It's a terrible motivator. It will not be the thing that propels you forward. It's not the tools that God uses to bring you to a place of freedom. What happens when he comes out hopping, then Jesus says, 
to them. It's verse 43 or 44. You can put it on the screen again. For, for, he, Jesus said to them. He didn't say it to Lazarus. He said it to them. Loose that man. Take those grave clothes off of him. He said it to those that were standing around Lazarus. He did not say to Lazarus, get yourself free. He said to the people around Lazarus, put your hands on someone that used to be dead and you bring freedom to them. Can I just now make, can I now make my, my plug for connect groups as clear as I possibly can? For you, in order for you and I to get to the place of freedom that God designed for us. He is the one that brings the freedom, but he brings it through the hands of his sons and his daughters. It has always been relationship. It has always been community. It has always been the people of God that help you and I get free. You and I do not get free in and of ourselves. It is possible to be alive, but you will always need the help of your community to bring you to a place of freedom. You were never designed to get there on your own. So you need some people to go, yeah, yeah, I, I battle pornography. Oh, yeah, I, I recognize that rope. I recognize that rope. I, I've had that rope. Now I'm not even talking metaphorically. I actually am talking personally. That, that one in particular I know about, me. I'm not talking about somebody else. I'm talking about me. I know what it's like to have a wife that you love. And to still have this urge to go look at that poison and invite that into your marriage. I, I, I know that one. But I'm so thankful. Let's keep hopping. <laughs> and I have some people in my world that said, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know that. Don't run. Don't, don't, don't run, don't run, don't run, don't, don't run, don't, don't run, don't run. Let me, let me put my hands on that. I'm, I'm not afraid of that. I'm not afraid of that. I've seen that. I, I, I can bring freedom to that. This is what connect groups do. You get around some people that are like, oh, yeah, 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 I recognize that rope. I recognize that. See, because what we do sometimes in church and Christians can do this, we like to elevate somebody else's tiedness, right? We look at their rope like, oh, my goodness, that's the worst rope ever. Never looking at the rope that's tying us, right? We want to act like this one is not really there. But the reality is all of us are tied somewhere, and we all need the grace of God to invade us. And the people of God to surround us. So I'm making it clear. I want everybody in our church, everybody in our church, everyone in our church to be in some group somewhere with some people that will go, hey, let me help you get untied. Over this fall, I'm about to see us be mobilized in a way we never thought possible. I'm, I, I am about to see us get free from ropes and ties and chains. I see us being free financially. Can I just say that? Can I just say some of us have new J's, but we're negative in our checking account. Okay? 
because maybe you haven't quite learned how to manage money. So what, we're going to have financial peace. We're going to have good sense. We're going to have all these other connect groups that you can go to go, hey, how do I handle my money properly? Because there's too many of us that God is calling to do something and we can't do it because we're strapped. We can't do it because we're tied. We can't do it because we have not yet learned the principles that we need to be who God has called us to be and do what he's called us to do. Fear, anxiety. How many of us, is this, is this crippling? I don't have some magic wand, but there's something about someone saying, hey, I struggle. Hey, I'm battling. And the people of God coming around them, going, hey, we love you exactly how you are. You don't have to have it all together here. Let us walk with you as you become who God has called you to be. So many habits that are holding many of us back. Alcohol, prescription medication, pornography. I go down the line. And I have learned a lot of times it's not the ones that look messed up. It's the ones that can clean up real good. <laughs> Learn how to hide things. And I just want us as a church over this fall semester, we're, come, we're, we're getting free. We're, we're, we're getting free. Marriages, marriages. It looks good on the outside, but it's terrible behind the scenes. I just want you to get free. Don't know how to talk to each other. Don't know how to serve each other. Don't know how to lay down your lives to one another. We're going to see you get free. We're going to see you have the type of marriage that God has called you to be. We're going to help you. Single people become all that God has called you to be. Help you step fully into the plans and purposes of God. We've got to be willing to come alive. Come out. Let the people of God untie us. If we will do this, I'm telling you 2020 is about to blow our minds with all that God is going to do in us and through us. If you wouldn't mind, church family, do me a favor, bow your heads for just a moment. At all of our locations, bow your heads for just a moment. If you're under the sound of my voice right now, whether you're in the lobby, balcony, floor, any of our locations, you're honest with yourself and you would say your heart is not in God's hands. He's not first in your life. He's not number one. I'm not asking do you have a Bible. I'm not asking were you confirmed as a child. I'm not even asking if you were baptized at some point in time in your life. I'm asking right now. Have you surrendered your heart and your life to Jesus? Maybe there was a time you did, there was a time you were following him, but you slipped away and you've gone another direction and you're under the sound of my voice today. You're saying, I don't want to go my own way anymore. I want to go his way. I'm going to ask you at every one of our locations, wherever you are seated, if that is you and you are ready to surrender or resurrender your life to serving Jesus on the count of three, I literally want you to throw your hand in the air and say, yes, that is me. Ready? One, two, three. Just put your hand in the air. You're saying, yes, that's me. I want to give my heart. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to make him first. I want to make him number one. Love be here all over the place. I see friends lifting their hands saying, hey, I want to put Jesus first in my life. I don't want to go my own way anymore. I want to go his way. I'm going to ask everyone to do me a favor. Put your hand over your heart if you would not mind. And I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer out loud after me. Say, dear Jesus, I ask you 
to forgive me of all my sins. I admit I made mistakes. And today, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Give me the power to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's lift our heads up and clap our hands with enthusiasm. Come on, church family. Come on, clap like you mean it. Clap like it's your family member that you've been praying for. Man, we celebrate this moment.